Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of Dodgers Wrap 360 right here on AfterBuzz TV. Going live on Sunday night. Uh, this is the end of May. Memorial Day is tomorrow, May 29th. Dodgers go 5-1 and one this week against the Reds and the Mets. We've got a lot to talk about. Today's game, obviously the primetime Sunday night game in New York. Plus the rest of the week and the week ahead for the boys in blue. Stay tuned with us right now for that right here on AfterBuzz TV. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. What's going on, guys? This is Dodgers Rap 360 here on After Buzz TV. Uh, joined oh. by, you, you don't have joined any music, by a, so. an adult and a preteen. A <laughs> um, lot to talk about with the Dodgers. They went 5-1 and one this week. I'm Bobby DeMiro. Gentlemen, introduce yourself so the folks who are listening to the podcast know your name. Hi. Uh, Mike Conley, um, there's probably a Twitter handle for me that goes to Mike Conley of the Mensives Grizzlies uh, right below me, but uh, you can catch me on uh, Red Sox Wrap 360 right here on the AfterBuzz Networks. Hey. <laughs> and I am uh, Joshua Gershon. My Twitter handle is at Gersh13. Don't confuse me with the college basketball recruiter, Josh Gershon. <laughs> Which do you guys good. both have Suit, sports like, like doppelganger yeah. name terms? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> What about, don't you have a doppelganger of a uh, American League umpire? Well, Mike DeMuro, Mike but there's DeMuro. also one Robert De Niro, perhaps you've heard of him. Wow, wow, yes. Nobody is making that confusion. <laughs> really? Anyways, <laughs> I get it all the time. You are looking, you know, like you might be 70, but, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> oh, Go. Oh, boy. We're going to do the show with two. Hey, Dodgers 5-1 and one this How week. How about those Dodgers? Very good week. Uh, let's do some housekeeping on the Reds first before we get to this weekend series with the Mets. Here's what I'd like to say about the Reds. Okay. Thank God for the Reds? I, thank yeah. God for the Reds. And I think, it, it, wouldn't it just be great if anytime you were kind of having a tough week like the Dodgers did last week, you could put up like a bat signal that was like a Red C <laughs> And the and the Reds would come to town for three games. Are you describing a slump buster, but for baseball? Yes, okay. that's exactly what I am. There's no better slump buster than the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> well, the Braves, the Braves Thanks are the better one. Well, the Braves are going to be honest. Wait, who's yeah. the worst team? The Braves. The Braves. <laughs> but, Braves. But, Braves. Reds. Brewers are good ones. You got a decent one in the division in San Diego. But currently, well, that didn't work too well it when didn't, they took no. two out of three from the Dodgers <laughs> last week. But um, the. Uh, but the Reds, like even like currently, I think they've dropped like ten out of their last eleven or something, you know, something crazy. Yeah, like that. Reds, Reds are hot garbage. Reds are gonna be hot garbage for like five years. Uh, they, who, big, they, big selling. Who wants Jay Bruce? Their plan is is a bad plan. Um, but okay, so three games, three wins. You did what you should have done. You never, you know, we talk about this a lot last year on this show when when Mike and I were doing it. You can't ever expect a home sweep. I think that's unrealistic ultimately in the long run. But when you get them, and when you get the Reds. You got to take advantage of it, and they did. Yeah. So it. you did what you had to do, and that's a great thing. And you go three and up. Yeah, even though they, they get uh, you know one run for Kirsch, but obviously <laughs> he makes it hold up. Didn't quite hold up today, but what are you going to do? Well, it held up enough to keep him in the game to eventually that's win. True. So that's you know, true. The, you know, uh, it, it is Kirsch with the Reds game with this game 105 strikeouts, five walks this season. That's that's video game. Ludicrous. That's stupid. Ludicrous. Is he? I mean, not only is he the best pitcher right now in baseball because this week, this month, he is. He's the hottest one going right now. Is this the generational pitcher of this generation? Is there anybody better in the last in in this prime in the last five, eight, ten years? Not for not this long. Yeah. I mean, look, Lindsey Cohn was great for what four years. He was amazing, and then fell off the table. 
Arietta's starting now. Uh, you haven't had anyone with this kind of dominant. Cranky, when he went to the Angels, was not that great. Was you know was okay. I don't think there's anyone this dominant. Just the dominance. Yeah, it's got to be him. Yeah, and especially you know when you look at his uh, you know regular season numbers. The only thing when you stop throwing around that generational tag, he's got he's got to just. You know, show me a little bit more in the playoffs. It's the John Elway where once you finally get over the hump, even if it's right. late in your career, and you all your up, accolades yeah. sure. look that much more shiny. It's I understand that, but at the same time, this guy is doing what no one in the last 15 years I can think about has done on the long term. I think you're right. CC Sabathia in the short term has had ridiculous time. You know, Bartolo Colon in the prime of his career, and then his resurgence even has <laughs> yeah. had some ridiculous times. But but Kershaw is on a completely different just level. the day in and day out dominance of every Kershaw. Yeah, yeah. every fifth day. Um, and, and I think you look at a guy like Noah Syndergaard and you say that guy could be what Kershaw is right now in another seven years. But even then, it's like it, it, what he's doing on the mound, what Clayton Kershaw is doing on the mound is art. The way he's carving people okay. up right now. It's and it's not even right now. For the last <laughs> six years, what he's been doing is art. The way he's been carving people up. Yeah, we we were talking about a little earlier this season, like when uh, the Giants were in town, and I was just thinking when Kirsch faced Buster Posey, you could be looking at you know one of the top ten pitches of all time, pitching to one of the top ten catches of all time. You know when these guys are all said and done. You know. Yeah. And it's like. You, you have to sometimes take pause because these guys are so young you don't all the time. But you have to take pause and kind of sit back and appreciate that, you know, of how historic, you know, something like well, that is going on in the NL West, you know. Even, even on that team, Madison Bumgarner is such a stud. Yeah. But but Kershaw is, is and this is no shade to Bumgarner, but Kershaw is still a, a level beyond him. And I think even a Giants fan who's being fair would agree with that, you know, and and, and Bumgarner is a ten out of ten, and Kershaw is about an eleven and a half. It's just that level. It's well, that Giants fan is also going to say rings, absolutely. But rings, <laughs> rings are not Bumgarner alone. I know he did what he did right. as a reliever yeah. in in Game Six or whatever, you know, uh, against the Royals, and that is, I mean, you can't for sure. That's huge. And but, his best days have shown up on the biggest stage. Yeah, you know, and Kirsch can't quite say that just yet. So, but it's tough because you can't with Kirsch or anybody else, any one player. You can't put the team on them. This isn't quite like football's a team sport, but a quarterback has has far more significant of a hold over how that team does than even a starting pitcher in baseball. Kershaw could be nails. He could go to the playoffs and be nails all year. But if the Dodgers can't score and he winds up in no decisions. What are you left well, with? And, you know. I, a couple years ago, it's the Cardinals. He pitched great in St. Louis, lost one nothing. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Right. Right. And then and then everybody remembers, what was it, two years ago when, he got, the, when, when he, he got blew hammered. up? Yeah, when he yeah. got blown up by the Cardinals. But the, just the year before, he pitched great, and they couldn't score for him. Yeah. Right. I mean, right now, they have the fourth best uh, ERA in the National League. Why aren't they where the Giants are? Why aren't they six games above 500? Mm. Oh, God, let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, look, even with the Cincinnati Red sweep, even with winning two out of three in New York, which is huge, New York's a good team. Yeah. Chicago coming up is a good team. Um, it, even with that, you're what, 28 and 24 right now? Is that the record? I think they're 4 over. Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's early. Like, I don't look at standings. We talk about this on the Red Sox. I don't care about standings until it's August. I really right. don't. But you look at it and you say, why are you 28 and 24? Well, the rotation is not as good as people want to think it is. You lose Granky, and of course it's not going to be. Right. Ryu is, is, is a ghost. I mean, I, we may never see that guy again. You know, at least not at least not who he was when he was decent, what, 12 years ago or whatever. <laughs> 
whatever he pitched last. He hasn't pitched since 2004, the NLDS in 2014. It's absurd. <laughs> I mean, and I feel for the guy. Like, he's not, you know, it's not like he doesn't want to pitch. But it's just, my God, you know. And then and then you got guys like Ross Stripling who are really promising for what they are, but they ain't there yet. It's going to take a while to get there. Yeah. You know, and and, and guy, that is Heidi's going to be like a number four style. Exactly. And if you can get a good number four, that's wonderful. Like, yeah. that's a huge haul. Mm. But it, it, it's just not, it's not the same thing. Maeda. Ryu had a setback, right, this mm-hmm. week. Yeah. What was it? A knee? No, soreness. A shoulder. Soreness. Oh, boy. And that's the thing. It's a shoulder. I mean, elbows at this point, they're not foolproof. But you get Tommy John, and you're probably going to come. You know, you got a 90% chance to come back, or whatever the statistic is. Right. Shoulder stuff, man, I just, ugh. I don't know. Yeah. You just can't mess with it. It's real tough. Um, Maeda's was real good at the start of the year, and then lately has kind of already hit a little bit of a wall. <coughs> Part of that? Yeah. It, it seems like, um, you know, he's really good the first two times through, and you could say this about Stripling, too. Yeah. But once they get to that third, it's like, so he's coming in, and you're seeing, like, now he's going five, maybe six innings, yeah. as opposed to early year, maybe when guys didn't really have him down, and he was going, like, seven or eight. But he's still been great, especially for the, the team-friendly contract they got him for yeah he's been great he's been your second best pitcher. Well, and welcome to the big leagues when you're in the big leagues you're gonna have to go through three times you're gonna have to face if you're if you're a good starter you're gonna have to face 32 hitters every night and which i argued when they brought up when they had maeda if he gives you six innings that's exactly what granky gave you granky very rarely went into the seventh inning very rarely you know, and he maxed out at seven. He that just was, had twelve Ks in six innings. That's yeah, why it looks so impressive. Yeah, like Kazmier, <laughs> much like Casmir this yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> but if if my Ada can give us that two runs or less, six innings, I'm happy with that. I mean, is it cranky numbers? No, but it's that sets you up for a win. Well, it would, but the bullpen is hot garbage. That's, I mean, that's the real issue. When when you don't score, maybe like you think you should be scoring, like the Dodgers sometimes do. Like they'll sometimes go into these little mini droughts. And when your starting pitching is, is generally as proficient as it is, Alex Wood's been fine. You know, Scott Casimir's been. I know people are all over Scott Casimir, but when you take him in the context of the whole thing, it's like. This is kind of what did you expect? Yeah. This, is, this is what you yeah. expected. He's going to have a three-five ERA, you know, probably by the end of the year, three-five to four. Yeah. That's kind of what he does. But that's that's a quality start. You're getting quality innings out of him. You know, he's an innings eater. If you leave him out there a little bit, but it's uh, and they, they just they do not. I, we were talking about it earlier. This, their situational hitting is so terrible. Uh, well, that's the thing. But even with Casimir, he shouldn't have been a starter. Ryu should have been around. Brett Anderson should have been around. You could have used Bolsinger, and for some reason they are so down on Bolsinger after he's done nothing but pitch proficiently the last year. He pitched year good or whatever. this week. The, yeah. In the um, win this week against the Reds. But you, you, you have so many of these guys that you now you have Julio Arias who's here, who we'll talk about in a separate thing. Oh, oh yeah. But you have so many of these guys. It's like Casimir shouldn't have probably been in this rotation at the start of the year, but because of the way everything worked out with with Anderson and Ryu and these guys, he's here and. I don't know. I mean, if you sign a guy to a three-year, thirty-nine, they signed him dollar. real late, though. Remember that? Yeah, they well, signed him late, anticipating this with Ryu. Yeah, uh, they, they, gotcha. they signed him when they realized Ryu was not coming back. Yeah. That was when they, oh, we need another starter. Yeah, <laughs> the price should be right on this guy. He's pitched in the independent league uh, like five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's the thing too. Is three years? <laughs> excuse me, whatever. It's three years and thirty-nine million. Whatever that contract is, thirteen million for a pitcher a year—that's nothing, yeah. especially for the Dodgers. But that's that's chump change. You're going to get a, like a number three starter for thirteen million yeah. a year because that's the way baseball works. The problem is that bullpen—you cannot bridge from anybody to Jansen. That's because the thing. Chris Hatcher is a disaster. Mm-hmm. Pedro Baez is a is a is a rhythm disaster and a pace of play disaster. <laughs> I just, it, it's, you know, JP Howell last year. I hate, I hate to say this, but his numbers were amazing last year. 
I, I, I said that. It was very deceiving. It's the quietest <laughs> one ERA or whatever, because he never got the biggest lefty in the biggest situation. He got the second biggest lefty in the second biggest situation. Or he put people on base that didn't score for yeah. him. Other people other people got the earned runs. He didn't get them. His, his uh, holes were terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it's not just on Howell, but all these guys, to try to bridge the gap to Jansen... What do you do? I mean, you're all the dice. You are. I mean, you have to go get relievers at some point and say, we need to make this more automatic. We cannot waste Kershaw and Maeda and all these starts in, in, especially in Kershaw's prime, and not have relievers to back this up. It's true, you know. And it, but it's like that. That's why we we were talking a little bit about, especially with Urias coming up, and he's going to be on uh, Urias or however you say it. Urias. I've, I've been trying to like <laughs> listen to Alano Rizzo this week, and I think she like keeps rolling the ah, and I'm like, I haven't pronounced an ah since I was like born. The, the official, How am I going to roll the it? The official now, pronunciation I got from the Oklahoma City guys was it is Julio Urias. Urias, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what Charlie Stein was saying. Yeah. yeah. Urias. Um, but where he's going to be a guy you're taking, you know, w- w- dealing with kid gloves with this kid, you know, and really monitor his innings and stuff where he's so young. Why bring him up as a starter, especially when you're hurting so much in the bullpen? And I kind of reckoned it to when David Price first came up with Tampa in like 07, I want to say it was, maybe 08. And I think it was 08. And they had him like... Didn't come up till he was like he was like a September call up, and they used him out of the pen, and he was lights out. And you know it was just okay. By the way, our bullpen, which was already pretty good, we now have a a, a lefty that throws ninety five and has great command. And the this the uh, Red Sox played them in the pennant that year, and he he was lights out first time. I think this a very uh, good opportunity to use Urias in a similar fashion. The know? only difference, Urias. and it's a big one, is Price was a college guy at a big college at Vanderbilt and came in more mature and came in at 23 or whatever and came in real polished. And Urias is 11 years old. And so <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you I don't know if you want to transition him like that because he's only ever been a starter in the minors. Yeah. And they've treated him with kid gloves in the minors <laughs> as they should have. But I don't know if you want to transition him to the pen. If he blows a few saves, if he blows a few eighth innings and then you say, hey kid, you still got your con- Confidence, you know, I, that's tough to do to a guy who hasn't seen it the same way. Price was in the College World Series and won a national championship, so he was as nails as nails could be coming into pro ball. Yeah. You know, Urias was in Mexico until he was 14, 15, and the Dodgers signed him. Yeah. So it, it's kind of it's kind of a. But tough hey, deal. he's up. Yeah, he's up now. So I, you're I, using him. I think he's going to get sent back down. I yeah once <laughs> once because who's. He's taking Woods' spot, right? Because yes, Woods te- a little dinged up. But Woods gonna Woods pitching his next start against the. He's starting against the Cubs. Okay. Uh, do yeah. you leave Bolsinger up? Do you? Right. Uh, who do you put down then? Probably Ross Stripling, Stripling. goes before Urias. I assume. I, um, I really think they're going to send Urias back. I, w- I would be surprised if they did, only because with somebody that young, if they're really serious about bringing him up, and they obviously are if they brought him up to frickin' New York. They didn't give him a home game against the Reds to start on. <laughs> yeah. They didn't give him a home game next week against the Rockies and say, hey, get your feet wet in an easy situation. Yeah. This was in New York against the Mets on a Friday night. And they were like, hey, buddy, welcome to the Major well, League. Yeah, we'll throw you, you in know. the mix. Let's just I, see where this kid's at. In an ideal world, I think they keep him up to stay. Not that he's going to be Fernando Valenzuela because he won't. All chances are that he won't. But I think they keep him up to stay in, until it gets to the point. One or two bad starts is fine. But if he has three or four in a row, then maybe they say, okay, go back. you got the taste. Yeah. Go back to Oklahoma City. We're either going to need you in September or we're going to need you 
hardcore opening day next year. You're going to need to be our number two or number three or whatever. Right. Yeah, especially um, if when Ryu announces he can't pitch anymore by the beginning of next year. Yeah. <laughs> I think and that's a serious thing that's going to... That's one of my predictions. I, I, told, I said it at the beginning of the year. I said, I doubt we'll see him pitch. You <laughs> may mean, never again, as sad as it is. That's putting a lot on uh, a will-be 20-year-old next opening day if he's coming in as the number two style. Well, I mean, Maeda. I mean, you could call him the number three, yeah, whatever it yeah, is, Maeda. Yeah. And I don't know Wood's contract situation, but that's a perfect guy. It's like a number four, number five. Right. And then and then Stripling and Bolsinger and all these guys just kind of hang out. And De Leon will be... I yeah. think De Leon will get called up in September. Yeah. That's for sure. And yeah. he's another one they can bring out of the pen if they want to bring someone along. Yeah. Because he's a little more mature, right? I think he's 21, 22, yeah. something like that. You bring him along... Come out of the pen, though, kind of the way the Cardinals did with Waka and Carlos Martinez, similar to that fashion. The other two. Hey, by September, Brett Anderson will be back in the mix. Well, the other two McCarthy are, will be back in the mix too. Oh God! <laughs> the other two are um, Josh Spores and Grant Holmes. Both those guys. Holmes is a high schooler, I believe, but Josh Spores was a college guy. He went to UVA or whatever. That's a polished dude, and I believe just a pen guy in the minors right now. That's a dude. I don't know if he's ready this year, but that's a guy coming next uh, year who's, what, a, who's a flame. What about Cotton? Cotton's the other guy, right? Terrell uh, Cotton. Cotton. Oh, oh okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But those guys are further away. Him and Holmes. Holmes is in Rancho right now, and a high school guy in Rancho, so he's 20 or 21. He's like 18 months away. But even so, I mean, the, the, the problem is the Dodgers have an embarrassment of riches in pitching <laughs> and just prospects in general. Right. So what that does for you is, like, we were talking about this with prospect stuff. People have to understand with prospects, 50% will not hit. Right. 100% certainly will not hit. 20% probably won't hit. Go watch Rancho Cucamonga in high A if you're a Dodgers fan in L.A. Go watch one of those games in Rancho. You'll see 27 guys on the field or whatever. Maybe three. Maybe yeah. you were looking at two or three major yeah. leaguers yeah. with with any sort of, of value to them. So the thing that you're trying to do is you're not only trying to find the best, you're trying to find the most. <laughs> and the Dodgers with the international scouting and stuff, my God, do they have the most? Yeah. You know, you have thirty guys and you say, Well, if three hit out of thirty, we're looking pretty good because you add that to Kershaw and you add that to Maeda and all of a sudden we got a hell of a rotation, you know. So and, and Urias is already a hit. Anybody who makes the major leagues is a hit for sure. You know. Yeah, so. I mean it, it, it's it's good. Uh, like you say, they they just put him out there in New York, and it's kind of a baptism by fire for this kid. And you know he didn't have that good a first inning, but he kind of settled down that second inning. He Anything surprise you in his start, or do you not expect to see? Had you seen him at all? Did you guys see him at all in the minors? Not just, really. Just on just YouTube. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. But uh, I. I was actually shocked with the walks. We have four walks in the in the two the two and two thirds innings. That actually shocked him. Getting up the hits, I wasn't really surprised. I mean, it's his first outing. What you know? Yeah, he's going to be a little different. But I was actually shocked about the walks. I because we were me and my buddies were kind of predicting how long his outing would be, and my friend who said four innings with three walks and three runs was was almost dead on. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you guys were drinking the Kool Aid a little bit, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, that would actually shock me because I I was predicting more of a, I thought he'd give up two three runs. I thought he'd give up about five hits, maybe one walk and strike out about five. If he went five innings, that was kind of my guess. That was that would have been an incredible <laughs> debut. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of where I, I mean, was aiming. Not Fernando esque, but yeah, still. that would have been a really nice debut. Um, but I think that's the thing too, and that's actually a good, uh, kind of a good 
showcase for what people probably should should not think about Julio yeah. Rios. He's not going to go seven. He's probably not going to. I mean, he should go five, but he's not going to do five innings a run on four hits and a walk. Like this kid's nineteen. Right. Like oh, he's yeah. going to develop. He might suck for a couple more starts. If the Dodgers are in it for the long haul, they see it and they keep him around. If they get him back down to Oklahoma City, then they do that too and they let him refine. So, what but. do you think his cap is as a guy that's going to turn twenty in August? Cap in innings? Yeah. 150? It's, no, it's No, he's only thrown, what, 80? 80 something's the most he's thrown in one season? No, he hit triple digits last year. Did he hit triple digits? Um, I don't know what his inning cap would be. The, I'm more interested in his pitch count in a game. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, do they cap him at 85 pitches? You they, know, because that's pretty typical of minor league guys at his age who are usually in high A. Yeah. They'll cap him at six innings or 85 pitches, whatever happens first. Right. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Dodgers had a similar ish. I thought I read rule. that it was 81. Or 82 pitches this okay. game. It was some random number yeah. like that. It, it wasn't like a set 85, 90. It was like yeah. 82. It was like his his pitch count, that, his cap. That makes sense because I think like two weeks ago he was throwing a no hit up and they yeah. doubled yeah. up to six. They'll always do that in the mind. Yeah, yeah, they don't care in the that's right. development. Right. But no, but I think that's kind of the cap. And sometimes you it's see It's one teams, thing if it's a 35-year-old Bobby DeMuro making, making a little 100%. run at it one day when back in the way back machine. Boom. And it's and it's been watching a little too many Cali games, and he just gets you, out there. You speak of that, makes but it's another different. run. Here, here's a good example. I was watching a Cali game. I was at a Cali game this week. Modesto and High Desert, the Rockies and Rangers franchises. Rockies ran out a 20 year old who's a big prospect for them. Hard cap at 85 pitches. He got to 83 in like the sixth inning. They pulled him. He was pitching pretty well, and they pulled him with nobody on base. Yeah. Uh, High Desert's guy was a college guy with a lot more experience who was 23, and he was pitching okay. He threw 97 pitches. Oh, right. So you can extend those guys who are older a little bit more yeah. or not as valuable. But Arias at 19, they're yeah. not going to. Yeah. He, You could throw six no-hit innings, and, and what happened to Stripling yeah. almost is going to happen to Arias. They're going to be like, no chance are you are you going to get you know go 110 pitches. Well, and now the biggest fear is going to be, I mean, you know, we had Tommy John surgery, but you're going to be worried about Strasburg, Matt. Harvey, that kind of issue. Yeah. Where if he throws too much in the first year, he's kind of like Strasburg was kind of garbage that second year. He yeah. was not as very good. I mean, he's found the stride now, but you know, before. Well, or, they held back or, on Strasburg and they didn't hold back on Harvey. Isn't yeah. that kind of the big example? Well, but Harvey's right always been held back. That's the thing. Harvey has always had the Matt Harvey rules. Yeah. Like, that's what's so weird about him. And that's so maddening. That's why New York is so mad at yeah. him. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the thing, the flip side with Urias is yes, do you hold him back or do you risk an injury? Or. <laughs> Is he another generational guy like Kershaw, who seemingly throws 700 innings a year? And is just, you know, is this a Kershaw Bumgarner guy, or is this a guy that you want to handle with kid gloves? And it's like there's no right answer because you won't know the right answer until after you've already yeah. done it, obviously. Yeah. So how do you how do you predict that? You well, know? and also if it's like a thing like Fernando, you know, he's going to be fat and pitching in the Mexican League by the time he's 30. You know, it's like it, it, maybe the maybe the guy is only going to be good for 10 years. So it's like get him up here, get him throwing. I think those days are gone because. Lasorda, Lasorda no ran, burritos between innings. No, but Lasorda ran oh, Valenzuela boy. into the ground, too, because he pitched him way too much, way yeah. too fast. Lasorda ran everybody into the ground way yeah. too fast. <laughs> now, now with all the analytics, you're not going to get someone who runs them into the ground that yeah. quickly. In the money. I mean, these guys are too big investments. Yeah. Right. So, um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with the debut just to get it out of the way. Like, you get it out of the way, you, you show enough of who you are in a very tough environment. You don't completely, you don't have a good start, but you don't completely blow up. <sighs> You don't give up nine runs in two innings and say, "Holy crap!" You know we got to send him down for three more months. Well, considering he put nine people on base in two innings and only let across yeah. the, the few runs is actually pretty amazing. <laughs> kind of battled a little. I'm yeah. not unhappy with that. Um, and then today is icing on the cake. You know, you take two out of three in New York. 
Really? That's sure. huge. That's, That's incredible. Huge. Because you might go to Chicago and you might get swept. But it's a more palatable sweep if it's a two and four road trip against two very, very good teams. I was know? especially excited about it because the Mets was celebrating their 86 team. <laughs> and so I couldn't watch much of the, the, the series, admittedly. Because uh, I was like, you know, every time I see like a... Keith Hernandez, I'm like, Whoa. you know, like, I mean, even watching the Dodgers games, in uh, I hear Vince say, "Little roller up along first. I start like convulsing a little bit, and it's just like, Whoa. but uh, it was good to see them when they were doing the big celebration on Saturday. The Dodgers come in and oh, yeah. just put on a home show and Utley. go nine to one. Ed having to chase Utley just, just two bombs. Just I know, dominate that's that game. yeah, just dominate that game. That's <laughs> like it's like right when you don't think Chase Utley can prove anymore viable he goes ahead and you know obviously takes out Tejada last year and that induces Syndergaard to throw at him he throws well, behind him he gets ejected in the third Sind- inning Syndergaard's Money. ejection right or wrong wrong I don't agree with it I was wrong it should be a warning yeah <laughs> and, and especially where it didn't hit him it should be a warning and then if he alright go ahead and hit him then he gets run but I disagree with you both. You really? You thought Here, he should have been Here's the thing. All these fights start. Look at the one in Texas, too. I mean, it's all this festering stuff from last year and a slide from last year. Right. Now we're going to fight about it. And, that, and Texas was different because it was on the bases. But it's all this festering stuff that you know is happening and the umpires know is happening. So the second you get an inkling of it, Run them. If you think it's intentional, run them, and it nips it in the bud. And did it not nip it in the bud? Oh, it nipped it. Yeah, because they, they, yeah, they didn't even try to do Cause, anything cause, at Because here's the thing. Here's what happens. So Syndergaard throws it Utley and gets a warning. Then the next inning, the Dodgers are going to be like, you can't throw it our guy. We're going to throw it yours. But the Dodgers pitcher gets run because it's after the warning. Yeah. And so the Dodgers get punished because Syndergaard started it. I'm, I'm a fan of running the guy who started the problem. Yeah. And that's Syndergaard in this case. Make a good you know? point. And, and Terry Collins has to come out and defend his guy and yell and scream and get run. Run too. And that's fine. I mean, that's part of the game, and it's goofy. But if you're going to do it, like the players and the umpires have to get on the same page. But if you're going to do it, if the umpire believes it's intentional, which he has the power to do, don't be afraid to run these guys right away because you nip it in the butt immediately. Why didn't the Mets handle it on Friday? I don't understand. I actually think that was a it was a strategic move on Saturday. Yeah. To be like, oh look, we're not gonna. We left Utley alone Friday night. To try to get him on Saturday. I actually think that was the Look plan. at the Rangers and the Blue Jays. The Rangers yeah, handled it on the, the final yeah. day of the last time they were going to play this year, which, excuse my language, is a bitch move. Oh, wicked it's, bitch move. It's, it, it, the Mets almost did the same that's thing. That's what John Gibbons said. But they didn't. They didn't wait for the last game. I could almost understand that logic. Yeah. It's either you get away right away, or if it is your last thing and you're going to run for the hills. like it, those Maybe Syndergaard was the one who said he wants him. Yeah, and I mean, Syndergaard he, throws the hardest, so yeah. it says... And he is the new know. ace. So yeah. It's maybe, maybe. It's, it's something he wants to take Matt, on. Matt Harvey's going to get run out of town there uh, pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> um, but no, I mean, probably right to run him. And then Chase Utley with the, you know, Chase Utley who doesn't, isn't very productive, doesn't do very much. It's like he's still got enough to, you know, he, answer. He, he his to hit R- two bombs. It was like he went in the way back machine. It, it, it was like 03 all of a sudden. In that series, he had more RBIs than he had all year. He already tied how many RBIs he had for the season in this series against the Mets alone. What, what did he have? He had nine had, RBIs in this series. He had five Saturday and four Friday. And he, and what? Now what's he got for the year? Like twelve RBIs. Nineteen. There's nineteen. 19. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but still, he's might have been. He may be the team's MVP to this point because Ooh. I didn't think he was wow. getting anything. What? The, when you look at this team, he's do been you know really about, consistent. Do you know about Clayton? <laughs> oh well, obviously Clayton. Yeah, obviously Clayton. But I think of MVP. I think of like you know. 
uh, an everyday player. But, I mean, because coming into the year, it was like, all right, who's going to hit leadoff? They don't really have a leadoff guy. He has solidified that position. He's played solid D for a man of his tender age. And, you know, he's like, he's, you'd see him on those base paths? Yeah. It's like, man. When he went first to third today. Wow. I was like, whoa, look, look at so him go. Like, <laughs> look at this guy. He's got some juice now. I don't know. Uh. You know? Getting thrown behind. He's, uh, you know, getting fired but, up. What I love is that his expression never changes. Gets thrown behind, hits a home run, it's the same expression on his face. Does it doesn't matter. He's just one of those pros. Corey yeah. Seager should be taking notes. And that was that was a home run bonanza because you know Agon's in that game goes yeah. four hits, including a bomb. Kendrick has a bomb. Seager has a bomb to go with Utley's two. That was the first time all year the Dodgers hit five yeah. homers in a game. And that's a tough place to hit a bomb. City Field is a hell of a pitcher's park. Yeah, because they so, moved the the, yeah. the did they move them in a few years ago? Because they, they were deep yeah. out. Yeah, so yeah, they moved them a little bit in, but it's Actually, like Petco. Seager had a hell of a at bat today. In that night, top of that ninth, where he was down one-two and worked the count and drew the walk. All right, so here's that, that opens kid's up a well good question. His years. Who's your favorite Dodgers kid? Peterson, Seager, Trace Thompson. Who's your favorite youngster? Seager. It's got to be Seager, but he knows how much I love Trace Thompson. Yeah. I, I love Trace Thompson. Yeah. Actually, I saw Trace Thompson in 2011 in the Sally League in Kannapolis with the White Sox. Who's with the White Sox? Oh, um, Kannapolis. Which game was it? I, no, I mean all season. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that whole season in Kannapolis. <coughs> that guy hit about 215 in about 550 plate appearances and must have struck out 130 times. Look it up. I don't know what the exact numbers are. He was striking out all. He struck out every goddamn day. Now His swing better. was so long. He was so athletic, but so long and so slow and so methodical to the ball that it was like, there's no way this guy ever works. And two years fast forward, and he's in AAA with Charlotte Knights, still in the White Sox organization, gets traded here, and he's totally a different player. I mean, that's development. Part of that is like, oh, no crap, it's development. But that dude went from being so long to, to hitting Major League pitching right away. But he's still got a pretty majestic swing. He does, I mean, and he's, he's going to slump, and he's going to, you know, yeah. he's not going to hit 300 all year. But uh, that's the guy I'm most impressed with, only because having seen so much of him two years ago, two and a half years ago, whatever, <laughs> yeah. and being so decidedly unimpressed with him, thinking it was too long and it was too much, how much he's changed in, in a couple seasons. He's, you know? he's dinged up, too, right? Didn't yeah, he right now. Uh, is he right now? He is 100% now. They said he was available today off the bench if uh, okay. if need be. Okay. I'm impressed with that guy. I'm still low on Jock. I know he's having a good year or whatever, but mm. to be honest, Jock's he's hitting... He's put forth better at-bats this year than he did last year, especially in that second half. And he's half hitting like year. 240 or whatever right now. And with his power and with his speed, even though the Dodgers don't let him steal bases, which is whatever. They don't um, let anyone steal bases, though. Which is a bad yeah. move. I, I mean, think, what are they, in single digits with steals? They got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They got fourteen. Fourteen. And how many games that's are we worse now? than we're the NL? 50 50 games? We're at 52 games? Yeah, 52 games. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's just ridiculous. And the game has changed. Like I know you don't steal as many bases as you used to. Like the games, you know, this isn't Vince Coleman we're talking about. Right. But even so, like when you have a guy, Jock is legitimately fast. When you have a guy like that, like get him in motion a little bit, at least to cause problems for a pitcher. At least to cause hit and run problems. Yeah, at least to make them think about it. Just so, just so they have to think, oh, I might have to watch this guy on first. Yeah. Like just just if nothing else for that reason. And that's the thing. I mean, look how much speed. The thing speed does, speed will steal your bases, and the fastest guys will get 50 or 60 or whatever D. Gordon and some of these guys get, and that's fine. But speed does, the biggest thing... Gets in the pitcher's head. It gets in the pitcher's head, and when you have Jock on and whoever up, Trace Thompson, Adrian Gonzalez, it doesn't matter. When you have anybody up with just a little bit of pop, a pitcher gets in his head about Jock and leaves a pitch a couple inches over the plate, and you got a double in the gap and a run, as opposed to a double player or whatever. See ya! 
Lose it. So <laughs> lose I mean, it. How many, how many more runs over the course of a year can you get doing that just by having that option on the table? Which, you know? and, and they need they need to manufacture runs so badly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they've had such like uh, like no, I want to say prolonged slumps, but they've had stretches where the bats haven't been going. Yeah. So there has been that opportunity. Yeah. So why not try to jumpstart the offense? Like why not try to do that? That that's what I never understood last year was. When they struggled, when you struggled to score runs, why not you try to jumpstart it? Run, guys. Puig has speed. Peterson yeah. has speed. Thompson has speed now. Let these guys run a little bit just to see just to see what happens. If you don't score, you don't score. You weren't scoring anyway, so it really doesn't make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> What's your take on Puig? I wanted to trade him for the Stanton when that rumor came out. The day that rumor came out, <laughs> I wanted that trade to happen. <laughs> I, I never. What, what, what's your take on Puig in 2016? Because we're not trading them for Guillermo yeah. Stanton. I think Puig. I think Puig I is Puig is ultimately a victim of his first year in the sense that it was so good, everybody's expectations got huge, and everybody said this guy's going to blow up, and he's an MVP, and he's this and that. He's not that, but he's a very, very good player. You just have to put him in the category that he's in. Right. You know, he's he's not going to probably hit fourth for you and hit thirty bombs and hit three fifteen and do whatever he did that first summer. Those first three months were insane, and then right. and part of the next year. But you know, he's not doing great right now. But there's a happy medium, I think, that he falls into, and with his tools and with his athleticism. I'm really loath to give up on this guy yeah. unless you got a haul. I mean, if you got a haul back, <laughs> trade him. But I'm really loath to give up a guy like this because he's so strong and he's so fast and he's got such a good arm yeah. that if he puts it together a little bit, man, he's gonna burn the hell out of you. Yeah. And that's one of those guys you will look at if you trade him and you'll look like four or five years later and say, "What the hell were we thinking? Right? Like, what what did, what did he do in this new organization that he couldn't do with us? And why don't we have this guy? Yeah. You know, it's it's the closest I think I've seen to Bo Jackson. <laughs> That's the thing. It's it's those kind of tools, and, and the Dodgers. Excuse me. The Dodgers need to look at um, the the factor for him, and we've talked about it. Is Juan Uribe? When Juan Uribe was here, Puig was more focused. Yeah. Uribe was like, "I'm not going to take your BS, man. This is how you play baseball." Adrian Gonzalez has the credentials to do that, but Adrian Gonzalez is not the same rah rah no. talker that Uribe was. It's true. And Adrian Gonzalez doesn't want to babysit Puig. Yeah. So well, he's been out. I mean, to, you know, I think they they went fishing right up in Canada, and uh, uh-huh. they did that down in Mexico in the uh-huh. preseason. So they've been buddy to buddy around. But yeah, I don't think he's that he's not type that of guy. mental stuff. Uh-huh. I think I think he's more of a guy like if Puig says no, I'm not going to do that. Agon's would be like, oh okay, he's big. <laughs> No, yeah. I don't. No, I, don't I think actually that. think Agon would just be like fine and walk away. I don't think. <laughs> I, I think if Puig, I, in a hypothetical situation, if Puig ever talked back, I think Agon's going to assert himself. He's a leader. Yeah. But I'm saying that Agon every day isn't going to be like, "Come on, Puig, <laughs> let's go." You know, it's not right. that kind of thing. And Uribe was goofier. Uribe was so much funnier that Uribe is going to mess with him a little bit. And then when Puig does something funny, Uribe is going to knock him on the head and be like, "You're an idiot," yeah. you know. And that's the way that that's the way that got through to Puig for a while. Um, and now, obviously, you know, Uribe hadn't been here for a while. So, Uribe, we can probably acquire him, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring in another guy that can play third base. Maybe Why you, not? Maybe you look at. only hitting 230. I mean, us. <laughs> maybe you look at a. I mean, if, if you're really invested, and I don't know, you know, maybe you invest resources elsewhere, but maybe you look at like a special assistant to the general manager, which is always a former player <laughs> who just sits in the dugout and holds court. Maybe you look at a guy that would mesh with Puig and you say, what kind of a, what kind of a former player can we get in? in that kind of a role that can just rein in Puig enough on the field to do whatever and help him make adjustments and whatever because yeah. his tools are insane. Really and, and, but his, his biggest issue is actually in any high leverage situation, he's terrible. Yeah. 
But, and that's, yeah. but why is that? Why is that with his tools that are insane? There's something mentally, psychologically, yeah, approach-wise that doesn't connect. Because he's trying know? to, you can see it. He's trying to, because I go to a lot of games, you know, he's trying to hit a home run. Every time it's a high leverage situation, he's swinging for the fence. Instead of just swinging to hit the ball, yeah. he's yeah. taking that, you know, his big arms, that mighty swing, and he strikes out on three pitches. Yeah, and it seemed like early in the season, like the first like two weeks, he was taking the ball the other way. I mean, that's why he was hitting three fifty after like two weeks. Yeah, but you do have to get in that uh, situation, especially as a young player, because he's still only what twenty five. Where you get two strikes, you got to shorten up that swing and take that base hit the other way. I mean, you just got to do that. I mean, it's baseball. It's smart baseball. I thought Dave Roberts was going to be great for Puig. I was expecting a big year from him. So, I although I liked when he benched him. It, it seemed to, it actually seemed to kind of sit with him a little bit because he actually had a good game that next game when he came up from the benching yeah. uh, last yeah. week. Yeah, because they benched him because he hit a rocket right off the wall and he didn't run out yeah. and only got a single. <laughs> but th- those are the kind of things. And if you, after reading so much about Puig and where he came from and his background, <laughs> Puig is not like most people. The, the life that he lived growing up is. In, I mean, you guys have read the stuff, I assume. Oh, yeah. It's insane. So when you come from that, you're not, you know, Aegon grew up in San Diego. You know, Dave Roberts, I don't know where Dave Roberts grew up, but he grew up, you know. He went it, to UCLA. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a different environment. Chase Utley yeah. went to UCLA. These guys, you can mentor Puig and you can go, hey, man, when you hit a ball off the wall, you got to run. But that saying it and culturally kind of getting to him are two different things. Yeah, of course. And if you have somebody who understands even a little bit how he grew up, how he how he was kind of the formative years of his life. I mean, not to get too deep on this, but I really think this is part of what it is. Oh, definitely. If you have somebody who kind of looks at that with him, like Uribe probably did a very good job of doing. Yeah. Um, you can you can get to him in a different way. And instead of saying, "Hey, man, you hit a ball off the wall, you got to run," you approach that differently, and you're like, "Dude, what do you think? Whatever is going to work for him, it can't just be a lecture, right? Because that's obviously you know." Yeah. Well, lectures. I mean, it's and I think that's generate general eh, generation thing, lectures. Kids today don't want to hear lectures. They don't. You know, everything's so... Kids today. ...want to have it now. They can't sit through they can't sit through lectures anymore. And I don't think he wants to hear it. I mean, he's probably been lectured the whole time he's been here. He doesn't want to hear another lecture from somebody. I think he's right. you mm. gotta, you got to have someone who can actually relate to him to get through to him. I think it's the only way. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Juan Uribe, MVP 2013. Is Juan Uribe <laughs> a countryman of his? Is he from no, Venezuela as well? No, Uribe is Cuban. Oh, Cuban. Uribe is Venezuelan. Dominican. Dominican. Uribe is Dominican. But again, I mean, it's it's all kind of Latin American baseball culture. Right. And Cuba's another level because of, you know, until it opened up this yeah. year or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, because of all that. But it's still that kind of Latin American baseball culture. And, and Aegon doesn't know it. Aegon is, is Mexican, which is a little right. bit different than the islands. Right. And he's also was American born and then he grew up in Mexico yeah. so he, he's, he doesn't have the same experience even if he has the same language yeah, yeah he was you know? technically born in Chula Vista right yeah I believe yeah so and, and, play, th- and played for both little leagues played across the border and played and played here there you go when he was growing up so and, and it, it, you know Aegon or any Spanish speaker is huge because you can communicate with Puig but it's a different thing to communicate and not to be culturally definitely aware <laughs> I don't know I mean not, not to make Puig like the other because oh he's so different he's from Cuba but man that dude his his upbringing was well, just he, so different he is kind of the other I mean those guys didn't <laughs> invite him to live with them you know I mean they got who they got living at that house we got Jock oh, yeah. Sega Trace Thompson Turner I think maybe Guerrero really uh, and one other young guy I don't think it's Turner but Guerrero they, lives in the house with those. Two? I think so. Interesting. Yeah, he, it's definitely those top three, and yeah. then I think there's two other guys that maybe aren't with the team or like. And uh, Guerrero's due back soon too, I believe. 
because he has to be on the major league roster when he comes back. I'm so lukewarm about Guerrero. But we were talking about the Red Sox show earlier about these Cuban guys. The Dodgers sign him left and right, so when one busts, whatever. Yeah. Right. You know, what do you what do you owe Guerrero? Twenty eight million total? Big deal. Right. You know, that's I mean that's chump change. Especially we the only Dodgers. owe twenty six million total? Yeah. Right? Something so like if, that? Yeah. if these guys bust, I mean the risk is relatively low compared to you know, if Kershaw forgets how to throw a baseball this week, you're in some trouble for the next few years. But if, but if you know, if Puig doesn't work out or Guerrero doesn't work out, or if one of the two does work out, you're like, hey, we got it made. We went one out of two there. One one thing we've kind of bandied about also this year, it'd be interesting to get your take on it, is like Kershaw is up, I think, after 2020, and he'll be like 32 or something. How old is he now, 27? Are they going to resign him? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Not only is he generational, he is, I think, lifetime Dodger. Yeah. Like, um, what's it going to take? Yeah, because they won't get. I convinced this management won't give him a seven-year deal. Um, at thirty-two, uh, you'd be surprised. Seven years, three hundred fifty million. No, because thirty-two is a little over the prime. But it also depends on baseball contracts are going to be so different in four years. You know, they're going to be. Look at four years ago. Look at contracts guys were signing four years ago, and then look at what like David Price just got. Could you imagine that four years ago? Yeah. You know, it's do what Bryce Harper's about to get. Bryce Harper's probably going to get five hundred million dollars. Right. That's unheard of a couple years ago. I've heard people talking about that they should legitimately offer Bryce Harper a small ownership stake. That's how much value we're talking about here, right. which is insane. But that's the kind of money we're starting to talk about. So Kershaw's not going to get that because he's at thirty-two or thirty-three or whatever. Um, but I think he's a lifetime Dodger, and I think it'd be the biggest mistake for them from a PR perspective. Like the Lakers got stuck with Kobe almost. Like <laughs> yeah. you cannot give this guy up. Like this is this no. is your guy. This is Sandy Koufax. This is Fernando Valenzuela. Had he lasted even long, you know, this is uh, Don Drysdale. This is whatever. This is this is a guy that when you think of him, you think of Dodgers and vice versa. It just worries me because I don't trust this upper management with long term deals. I mean, well, uh, it, I mean, I, I agreed with Granky. The six years was too much. Yeah, I agreed with that. But see, with Kershaw, I think yes, I would pay him till he was thirty-eight because I think he can be a Tom Glavin type guy when he gets older. He loses a little bit on the fastball, but he throws five other pitches on top of that. The cool thing and about he's Kershaw, so sound fundamentally. Yeah, that's the thing. And he's not—he's not actually as reliant on the fastball as maybe we assume he is. He's—he'll work ninety-two. He doesn't work 96 miles. He'll touch it all the time, but he's not working at 96, 97 miles an hour. So what he loses from 92 to 90 or something, you know, if he goes to 87, that's a big difference. But if he goes from 92 to 90 and he still has his other pitches, this dude's just going to keep pitching like he has been. If he's painting on the black, it can be 88. That's exactly. (laughs) And he seems to learn a new pitch every year, which is what I loved about him from the beginning. He seems to learn how to throw another pitch. Like, you know, he works in it was the curve at one time, then he works in the slider now. He's working on change-ups. He's working on, you know, he always seems to pick up new weapons in his arsenal, which it's one of those guys where you're like, this guy's dedicated to, I'm going to be the best there is. Right, yeah. And that's what I always appreciate about him, is like you can see the dedication there. <laughs> He'll get there. He'll never be, you know, take any of the major... Uh, baseball records probably just because this is the way the starters go now. You yeah. pitch less games, you pitch less innings, you don't get as many wins. He's got a shot. Um, He's got a shot at three hundred wins. He see that's a good question. Mm. He might be the last one. I he mean, it, there's there's another group like if Cindergard or somebody plays forever, then sure. Rick Porcello. But yeah, right. But I mean, he, you know, Tim Hudson <laughs> just retired. Like Tim Hudson played forever, didn't he? Just yeah. retire, and he had yeah. like didn't he have like hundred ninety wins or something? It was like that guy, played and he was for, on. 
ever. And he was on good teams. <laughs> yeah. I want to say he was like in the 230 range. I don't think he was that. I'm going to look it no? up right now. There's <laughs> no way he was that high. But he was. But, on, the, but the point is, he's lower than you think. Yeah. It, it's these guys just. It's not going to happen. <laughs> the same that the 300 wins is no longer or should be no longer the Hall of Fame benchmark. Oh, it, I, should, I, it should be 250. No, but I agree that it just. Yeah. It, I also agree that it shouldn't automatically put you in the Hall of Fame. Well, look at someone, if you get it these years with the five-man well, rotation. Years, but take like, someone like Don Sutton who'd pitch for like 25 years. Dude, we won, I was literally games. just talking to somebody about Don Sutton. He went like 300 and 250. Right. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's like good, but, but you know. He, but how many years did he pitch? <laughs> he pitched forever. I, I I saw him pitch as a kid. Like my dad saw him pitch as a kid. And like this guy pitched right. forever. Right. <laughs> uh, Hudson is 222 and 133. Yeah. And he and he he was on a perennial he was on perennial all star teams right? so he was on good teams Oakland that, and the Giants that absolutely scored. and the and he was on the Braves, the Braves when they were good yeah so <laughs> by the way this is neither here nor there but now that you're speaking to Don Sutton I assume you guys have seen the Time Warner Cable Sportsnet commercial where they talk to Maury Wills they have like the Don Sutton bobblehead night or whatever yeah, it is right, coming up at right, Dodger right. Stadium and they talk to Maury Wills about Don Sutton and they must have asked off camera like what's your favorite Don Sutton memory and Maury Wills goes you know. It was it was '66 or whatever the year was. He's like, and Sutton's a rookie, and uh, he's in the seventh inning, and he's got a couple guys on. He's getting into trouble, and I decide that I'm going to jog in from shortstop. So I jog in, and I'm like, "Hey, man, you okay?" And Sutton turns around and goes, "What the hell do you want?" And Maury's like, "I'm like, whoa, nothing." And I jog back to shortstop, and that's when I knew the kid was going to be all right. And like the first time I heard that, I was like, "That's kind of cute." Like Don Sutton's like competitor and stuff. Yeah. And then the second time I watched, it, I was like, "Wait a second." This is a commercial about Don Sutton, and this is the best story they could find right, about this guy. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, was this guy the biggest jerk? <laughs> the best story they could find is take a, a Hall of Fame veteran and Maury Wills and be like, Don Sutton disrespected you on the field. And wasn't Tell he, us about wasn't it. Wasn't he an MVP by this point? <laughs> yes. Maury Wills? Maury Wills won an MVP. Yes. He, went to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. he was like 15 years into his own career. <laughs> he was like, wait a second. The, the nicest Don Sutton story you have is disrespecting Maury Wills. <laughs> the nicest um, thing I could say about... Don Sutton is he wins 52 out of every 100 stops. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Um, anyways, that's... Or know. decisions. Sorry, yeah. decisions. The good thing is Kershaw's a great guy by all accounts. So. Yeah, um, the, greatest, the greatest guy Dodger I ever met when I was a kid, Mike Sosha, was the nicest guy. Lumpy. Met him a couple times, was always super nice, took pictures with everyone, signed autographs for everybody, Never always smiling, never complained. Sosha was always a super nice guy. Man, I got a tip Catchers are the most down-to-earth. I was just going to say that. Catchers are the most down-to-earth, they're the most well-spoken, they're the most thoughtful, and they're the most intelligent because they deal with both sides of the game. Every time I interview guys, every time I go to a new team to talk to guys if I'm on a different beat or whatever, I go right for the catcher. Because they are the best. They're just the best all around. They're the most mature dudes. If you're an autograph seeker or something, you've got kids who want autographs and you've never done the autograph thing, go to catchers. Like, seek out catchers. Backup catchers are, are just salt of the earth every single time. I'm Good, because I've really been pining away this year for an Austin Bonds autograph. Do you, do you want a Dustin Garneau <laughs> autograph in Colorado? Man, I'm telling you, the catchers, catchers are just the top of the world because they, they deal with everybody. They deal with the coaches all the time, the pitchers all the time, and other hitters. So they've got to be like... And they, they tend yeah. to make the best managers. Boshi, yeah. Sosha. That's true. Uh, Absolutely. Wasn't Yost, isn't Yost a catcher? Was Yost a catcher? Mm. Or no, he was a relief yeah. pitcher, right? That's a good question. I don't know. I thought he was a third baseman. Bob Guerin. Sure. He was a manager, and now he's the bench coach. He's a catcher. Okay. Um... Bob, Anything Gary. Where did you pull that one from? <laughs> I, did, I mean, Jesus. I pulled it out because he's on the Dodgers coaching staff. But like, I could pull out Kevin Kennedy. He used to do the Dodgers you know, after show and was true. your manager, Boyd Sox he, manager he was, there for a while. Mid-90s. Uh, Vin Scully, how's he doing? Thoughts on him? Have you guys, oh. caught, have you guys caught Sportsnet enough to see him in home games? Uh, yes. Yes. Well, 
a little bit for me. Because unfortunately we have DirecTV. I have to go to a bar to watch. The, um, the, I do go. But it's it been great. And I've been listening to him on the radio, too. It's yeah. just yeah. like, he's I enjoy, awesome. I enjoy the radio. I still love listening to him on the radio. That's my favorite. Yeah. He's 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 the best ever. I mean, yeah. What do you say? Yeah. <laughs> what do you say? Um, yeah, I, we got to get like a Scully bobblehead in here or something. To I think I have one. Liven it up. Yeah, I think I have one. There you go. Might have to be I think I, I almost have every bobblehead. <laughs> is, is your thing about <laughs> liven it up? Set dressing. Your, your set dressing idea that bobbleheads liven up the show. <laughs> Remember our bobbleheads from last year? Man, I think they been, got lost at the old place. You've been telling this to me for four months. That was Don Drysdale months. and Mari Wills. <laughs> it was a good one. Oh, it not make not, it from the not last Don place. Sutton. Do they, do they <laughs> Don Sutton had something to do they with do. the Maury Wills bobblehead? I have a Don Sutton bobblehead from uh, a couple years ago. There you go. <laughs> do we want to look ahead to the to the, the, the next week here? I mean, j- it, really, we it's, it's just the Cubs. I mean, it's it's not just the Cubs, but the Cubs are the big one. This is quite a stretch. I mean, this New York Mets then Cubs stretch. This is this is they're a really good benchmark for them, and they're they're off to a good start, taking two out of three. But again, York. let's let's lower expectations to the bottom. If you get swept in Chicago, you had a two and four road trip against the two best teams in the National League, or two of the three with San Francisco. I'll take that any day of the week if you can tread water, sweep Cincinnati ahead of it, and then win at home after it. Yeah, because we, take get, we get the Rockies here I'll uh, take next it. weekend. You know, they have been playing the better. They have been playing better. Rockies been sleeping. Rockies been playing well. But oh, no, the well. Dodgers. The Dodgers at home should take care of the Rockies. Should take care of everybody else in the National League besides the Giants. And we'll get to that when that comes up. Mm-hmm. But I think a t- at worst a two and four road trip, a three and three. If you take one in Chicago, you're sitting really pretty. And who they got after the Cubs? Uh, that's a good question. Oh. No I don't look to June yet. Huh? <laughs> I like that. I like that. Because the Rockies are midweek next week. Yeah. So somebody before that. Um, They're still on the road, aren't they? Can't remember now. I'm drawing a blank. (laughs) All all that matters is the Cubs. That's a big series. You guys will be talking about it next week. We will. (laughs) And they're doable. Listen, the Rockies early in the season took two or three in Chicago from the Cubs. So if they can do it, the Dodgers can do it. If you play good baseball, the question is, you know, are you going to do that? This is key. And you can get situational hitting. (laughs) Well, it seems like they got Agon's going now, and Howie Kendrick showing signs of life, and you know Seager's still solid at two seventy five right now. He's at two seventy five. The right young now. kids have been doing doing good. Yeah, Just getting these old timers uh, consistently hitting Turner now too. Hopefully, so we'll see. All right, guys, that's it this week. We'll be back next week. Uh, Twitter it. handles. You don't have a Twitter. No. <laughs> Twitter. Mine is G E R S H one three. There you go. That's it. What's I'm at Bobby DeMuro. I think I'm going to Rancho this week for some prospect reporting. I love that. Bring back some right. stories. I know I'm going to Inland uh, to see the Angels guys, but the Angels system is the Cuban pitchers in Single A, right? The yeah, Cuban pitcher, the Do- Sierra. Yeah, isn't um, he done? I believe he's in Rancho. I haven't seen Rancho yet this year. I'll be interested to see him. But Spores is there and Grant Holmes. So they got some good prospects there. Nice. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday for Dodgers Rap 360. In the meantime, so tweet us if you got questions. That's it. Good night. Have a wonderful week. Well, uh, happy Memorial Day to yes. everybody. Enjoy the third day off. Enjoy the important Memorial Day. And we'll see you guys in seven days. <laughs> From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.